So we're continuing our series on biblical characters called Beyond the Flannel Graph. And flannel graphs were these boards, like, kind of like you saw on the screen, that were used to uh, illustrate Bible stories for children, just basic Bible stories. They were popular when I was growing up, and a lot of you, I'm sure, are familiar with those who grew up in church. Um, but what we're trying to do with this series is go beyond a basic understanding, beyond the flannel graph, and learn an even deeper lesson uh, from these stories. And today, we are going to talk about Martha and Mary. And every time you see these two names in Scripture, there's always this theme of mankind, of humanity, and our connection uh, with God. Uh, So with that, let's go ahead and turn to the story of Martha and Mary. Get out the green Bibles here and uh, turn to Luke uh, chapter 10, starting in verse 38. There's Bibles in front of you guys if you want to take get those out and um but bookmark that we can go go ahead and go back to a blank slide sorry mike i should have warned you (laughs) so go ahead and bookmark that We'll, we'll get to that in a second uh so luke chapter 10 verse 38 before we get there uh before i read the passage i want to address a question that i think is uh constantly uh in the back of our minds mike you can go back to like there you go (laughs) Uh, i want to address a question that is constantly in the back of our minds uh And that is, is God even interested uh, in my life? Does he really care about my connection with him? Uh, It's one of those things that in my life, uh, I know my mind says yes. I mean, I can read the Bible and I can tell that God is interested in my life, sure. But underneath all of the the guilt and the shame, just the human condition that we live in, uh, sometimes our hearts say no. Why would God be interested uh, in, in our life and our connection with him? And that is a horribly wrong, couldn't be further from the truth uh, assumption that we make. Well, why is that assumption so wrong? Why don't we just start with the fact that the story of Martha and Mary uh, is in the Bible in the first place. You see, back in the day uh, that this was written, a woman's viewpoint was kind of dismissed. And I know that sounds offensive today, but we just you got to think about the culture to which this was written Uh, Women could even be seen as property. And just because the culture saw it that way does not mean that God sees it that way. This and many other passages in the Bible have uh, women taking major roles uh, in the foundational document of our faith. Uh, The Bible uh, goes so uh, over the top speaking to this culture saying that God is interested in our lives. Hey guys, hey culture. God's so interested, he's going to speak to women. Imagine that. God cares. God and the Bible is screaming and saying to this culture that God is interested in speaking to our lives. Women, men, children, humanity. And today, God is interested in being involved in our lives. God cares. He's interested in our lives, and it's the meaning of life itself. Communion with God. The God of the universe longs for interaction with his children. So, speaking of children, uh, my wife and I have two children. uh, Paul, who is 20 months old, and Sammy, who is four years old. And Sammy, I can tell, is really starting to like his independence. You know, we're walking across the street, and he hates holding hands. Uh, I walked up to him the other day, and I was just going to say hi to him, just, just see how he was doing. And uh, I can tell he's starting to build his personal space bubble. 
You know, that, uh, that invisible electrical fence that we, that we put around ourselves sometimes, that little circumference, and we don't like it being invaded. And uh, I could tell that I invaded that space. Now, what I know what he, I know what he meant to say was, uh, Father, if you could just give me one moment to, to finish this video game, uh, I, w- I would just, I would be happy to give you all the time in the world. I know that's what he meant to say. What he really said was, uh... You go stand over there. I'm like, what? Yes, you leave me alone. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my heart. And so I'm like, okay. So I walk away, my head hung in shame, and you can actually hear the Charlie Brown music playing. But the other day, uh, this past week, I was hanging out in the house giving Sammy his space, and uh, he and Paul were watching TV. Uh, and so I'm sitting there, and I hear Sammy say, Dada? I say, yeah, Sammy. Would you like to watch TV with us? It was sweet. I know it sounds simple, but my son is so independent nowadays. He's actually never asked me to do something like that. So it was just like, oh, sure. So I went over, and I sat down with my boys and put my arms around them, and we watched, we watched Cubo. Have you ever heard of Cubo? It's like a, it's an over-the-air TV channel uh, that plays uh, children's shows 24-7. Parents, it's a lifesaver. <laughs> um, you ever, I, I mean, rarely do I ever volunteer to watch children's cartoons. Have you ever, like, sat down and watched the new ones, like the real new cartoons these days? Like, you really have to start asking yourself, are these people on controlled substances when they write them? some sort of psychedelic power trip because like you just you can't follow the plots and it's just weird so rarely do I volunteer to watch them but like I sat down and I enjoyed every minute of watching that show with my boys because I enjoy time spent with my children and God enjoys time spent uh, with his children uh he really is interested in our lives. So let's go ahead and look at this passage that we bookmarked like 500 years ago. Uh, Luke 10, uh, starting with verse 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But but a few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So it's hard to admit, but a lot of us can relate with Martha, can't we? Let's just look at it through her point of view. Uh, She owns her home. Uh, This is hers, and she probably worked hard for it, and she hears that Jesus is coming through town, and Jesus is this awesome man of God, healing people of sickness and diseases and raising, or just doing a lot of good works and giving people hope. Uh, So she invites Jesus to her home, and he accepts so she's got to feel the pressure to make everything perfect for him. And then comes Mary. Now, I don't know what Martha and Mary's relationship looked like, uh, but from this passage alone, it looks like Martha looked at Mary like, oh, it's her. 
just chatting up the company, hanging out, not really considering the task at hand while you're there, busting your tail trying to get things done. But when Martha uh, asked Jesus to tell Mary to help her, she doesn't ask like, Jesus, if you could kindly excuse my sister uh, to help me with the meal preparations, that would be great. Thank you very much. She doesn't ask like that. Uh, the way she asks, if you look at the Greek, the, uh, the tone that she uses, it's like she expects Jesus to answer in the positive. Almost like, Jesus, don't you think you should ask my sister to help me with these uh, preparations? But Jesus flips things on her, and he challenges Martha, not because of the preparations that she was making, but because of her attitude about them. You are worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is needed, and your sister has chosen that thing. Jesus sets her priorities straight. He sets Martha's priorities straight. How many of us get our priorities a little bit out of whack when it comes to our relationship with God? I think a lot of times it's not even purposeful. We, get just, we just get so far away from God sometimes in our life that we don't really know how we ended up there. And we just get distracted. It's easy to get distracted. Fun and, and harmless things can, can turn into distractions, and then those distractions can turn into habits. And then those habits turn into day-long adventures. And, and I want to share just a... Here's a little illustration of how easy it is to get distracted in this uh, technology-driven world that we live in. And uh, this day-in-the-life scenario that I'm going to share is, is kind of based on my own life. It's exaggerated. Uh, I'm not going to tell you to uh, which extent it's exaggerated. That's for you to guess and me to not tell you. <laughs> so you're driving to work, 8 a.m., you're driving to work, and and your car starts making this, you know, sound like a high, laughing hyena firing a high-powered rifle into a nitroglycerin plant or something. It just sounds terrible. And you're like, oh, no. What am I going to do? Am I even going to make it to work? Oh, man, I'm going to be worried about this all day. So you get to work, and you work, and you work up until lunchtime. Lunchtime comes. And sure enough, you've worried about this all morning long. You're like, oh, man, so you drive, you're, lunchtime comes, so you drive, drive uh, out to lunch and, I don't know, go to Chipotle, and uh, you're like, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? You barely, your car barely makes it to Chipotle, and you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I know. So bust out your trusty smartphone, and, and you start looking online in one hand for a car, and then you cram that Chipotle burrito down with the other hand, and you're, double, you're multitasking, and you're like, okay. I better, I better try to find a car. Oh, man. And so you spend your entire lunch break worrying about this. Oh, lunch break's over. Got to go back to work. So, so far, you've spent the entire day. So you, you drove to work, and your car started making this noise, and you worried about that all the way up until lunchtime. And then you, you spent your entire lunch break uh, worrying and surfing the net, trying to find a new car, and just you've been worried all day. Sounds like a pretty good day, you know. Five o'clock comes, and you've worried about that still all day long. You're driving home, and your car's putting along, and you're thinking, now something else comes up. Oh, man, why did I eat that whole burrito? <laughs> Those things are like as big as your head. Seriously, you guys at Chipotle, you can attest to this. It's, so it's probably like 5,000 calories. <laughs> so you're thinking, why did I do that? Uh, nachos and a Coke and everything, and you're just like, oh, and you're worried about that now. So you're like, I better stop by the gym and burn off every single calorie. So you go to UXL or the rec center or whatever, and, 
and you're just pounding the weights, pounding the treadmill, and, and uh, you're just like, ah, oh, I got to get this done. And uh, so you finally get done, and you go home a couple of hours, several hours later, and just in time for dinner, and eat dinner, maybe with the family if you got them, and you talk them in, and, and you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, man, this was such a long day. Oh, this was so hard, so many worries, and so I got to blow off some steam. All right, all right. So you bust out your laptop, and you watch Netflix. You watch a couple episodes of Netflix, and then you watch a couple more. And then you're a couple hours down the road, and you're like, oh, man, what happens in the next episode? Oh, they left it at a cliffhanger. Oh, no. So you sit there, and you're like, okay, I'm going to watch another episode. And this goes on. And then finally, it's early in the morning, and you've watched an entire season of TV. What a great accomplishment. So you're like, oh, man, I got to go to sleep. So you go to sleep, and then you wake up and hit the snooze button because you're so tired. You're like, okay, I got to get to work. So you run to work, and you start putting along to work in your car that's messed up. And, and this, uh, your day repeats itself. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is there's not a lot of room in that uh, day for a meaningful interaction with God, is there? Um, we might not have all these kinds of distractions. I mean, I'm sure some of us have different distractions, but... And they might not be <laughs> that exaggerated, but I think we can relate uh, with how that works. We get so distracted, and we get so anxious. And um, all these things, though, should take a backseat to this. Just taking a 10-minute window out of every day uh, just to cast those things aside and, and allow God to do his work in you. Um, I'm going to read a verse uh, from the book of Matthew from a different translation. It's going to be up on the screen here. Matthew 6, verse 28 through 34. Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever, ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. You never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which aren't even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do what's best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. Try not uh, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provis provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. When we find ourselves so distracted by the things that are in front of our face all the time, all that is needed is to just take a step back and let those things go just for a minute. And then we can let God do his work in us. He's there waiting for us because God is interested in our lives. And like we saw in that verse just now, God cares. Another way we get distracted is by doing stuff for God 
uh, instead of being with God. Now this totally relates with Martha. She invited Jesus into her home, uh, but then she got so sidetracked by, try, by trying to do things for him that she missed out on an awesome opportunity to just sit there and enjoy his presence and hear his words. It's easy uh, to believe that we can make everything right before God and earn our approval from God by what we do. It's easy to do that, and that's true in my own life. I struggle with it constantly. There are basically two dangers here at work. One, trying to live a per- perfectly righteous and holy life so that you will hear God say, okay, all right, that's, the checklist is good. All right, you, yeah, you made it. You're good enough. The second danger is trying to accomplish every single task in the kingdom of God. Once again, so that you can hear him say, okay, all right, yep, uh, you made it. You're good enough. Now you have my approval. Hear this. The fact is that Jesus earned God's approval for us by what he did and how he lived. It's our job to simply live in that fact and to be reminded every day that we have God's love and approval because of what Jesus has done and because of our faith in his son. And then, listen here, great works and holy living will sprout out of the life that we live in God and in his word and in his presence. Let me read a little bit uh, from a book that I stumbled across uh, while I was on vacation a little while ago called Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. Go ahead and get that slide up. There we go. Legalism happens when what we need to do, not what Jesus has already done, becomes the end game. Our performance-ism leads to pride when we succeed and to despair when we fail. But ultimately, it leads to slavery either way because it becomes all about us and what we must do to establish our own identity instead of resting in Jesus and what he accomplished to establish it for us. It's easy to think that we have to earn God's approval by what we do and how we live. Now let me back this up with some scripture. This is uh, Galatians 3, verses 2 through 4. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue in this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough to, and strong enough to, uh, to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. The Galatians were trying to work to earn God's approval. That verse is pretty much in your face, but that's because it's so important to realize that we are accepted by God because of what Jesus has done and what he started in our lives. And here's my point. The biggest danger in merely doing things before God and never spending time with God is that we run the risk of being so buried in our own guilt and shame from our eventual failure to be perfect that we won't even want to approach God. Does that make sense? We'll be so ashamed of ourselves because we're trying to base our standing with God on our performance and not God's. 
So simple everyday distractions can keep us from truly connecting with God. And basing our standing with God on how we live is dangerous because uh, it can also discourage us from truly connecting with Him. So now that we know that these distractions exist uh, and that we need to take a break from those in order to, con- to connect with God, even then, would we be able to approach Him? Would there be other anxieties? Now, what about this one? And this is a tough one, but I think some of us can relate with this. What if I get rid of all the distractions? silence everything around me, but then I find nothing but silence, and that's it. What if I get rid of all the distractions to spend time with God, but then I just find nothing but a doubt that he's even there? What if this whole thing is a farce? Last summer, uh, I was going through a rough, a rough spot in my spirituality, and it's, it's what I like to call now my, uh, it was my spiritual quarter-life crisis. And this might sound weird or bad coming from a pastor, but I'm just trying to be real here. I was having a hard time with my faith. Uh, It was hard to see where God was in my life. And I had let all of these distractions that we're talking about get me so far away from the heart of God that I began to consider maybe he's not there. I was broken. Um, But I took a vacation and my wife and kids were gracious enough to allow me to just take that whole time to spend uh, seeking God and asking him to find me. I just, God, find me. I'm having trouble here. And he did. God found me. And, and he, he spoke to me probably as spiritually loud as he ever had. And for time's sake, I'm not going to go into uh, detail, but basically my entire outlook on grace and faith were, were changed for the better. Hear this. Before that, I was so worried that God might not be there that I wouldn't even take the chance to approach him. You know what I'm saying? I was so worried that God wasn't there that I kept myself from even truly trying to connect with him. I built my whole life on this. And then I started having these doubts. And then what if God isn't there and you don't even want to try anymore because you're so worried that you'll find... That there's nothing there. And you just can't go on living like that. You can't. Sooner or later, you're going to come to a point where either you're going to give up on faith or you will have to call on God to help your unbelief, to help your doubt. There's an account in the Gospel of Mark where this uh, very thing is addressed. Jesus was walking with some of his disciples and they came across a father who had a boy who was possessed by a demon. Uh, And we pick up in Mark chapter 9, 21 through 27. He asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? Ever since, the bo- uh, ever since he was a little boy, many times it pitches him into the fire or the river to do away with him. If you can do anything, do it. Have a heart and help us. Jesus said, if, there are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. No sooner were the words out of his mouth that the father cried, Then I believe. Help my, un- help my doubt. Help me with my doubts. Seeing that the crowd was forming fast, Jesus gave the vile spirit its marching orders. Dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, out of him and stay out. Screaming and with much thrashing about, it left. The boy was pale as a corpse, so people started saying, He's dead. 
But Jesus, taking his hand, raised him, and the boy stood up. This verse is, uh, or uh, so the father was having a hard time believing. And his son had been in this state for so long that the father doubted anything could be done for him. And then he expresses to Jesus, help me with my doubts. And Jesus turns his life around with one startling action. Give Jesus the chance to speak to you and work in your life no matter where you are in faith and in your spiritual life. So every, uh, everyday habits, those things that fill up our time with leaving no margin for God, doing for God instead of being with God, and doubt. All these things uh, can keep us from connecting with God, but if we just cast those aside and just run to him, uh, he will work in us and he will reveal himself to us. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 11, starting in verse 21. And bookmark that for a second. Uh, this first passage we read, uh, Martha was painted as the one totally in the wrong, but now she's going to have a chance to totally redeem herself. Martha and Mary had a brother named Lazarus who had become sick. And Jesus said, Lazarus, he told the sisters, your brother, uh, Lazarus, his sickness will not end in death. And then Lazarus died. So the sisters were, you know, starting to give up hope. He was dead and buried. Four days passed. And then Jesus shows up. So Martha, seeing him coming in the distance, runs out to him in desperateness. So let's pick up in the story here. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So, Martha runs to meet Jesus. This time, compared to last time, uh, she runs to him. And Jesus reveals uh, himself for who he really is, God in the flesh. What caused him to be so direct with her? Could it be the fact that this time, Martha, uh, untethered by any earthly constraints, runs to Jesus, giving him her full attention? This time she realizes her need for Jesus. And then after this, uh, to top it all off, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And I'm sure that Martha's spiritual life and her everyday uh, spiritual life to looked totally different. So the theme today has been uh, throwing off all of our distractions uh, so that we can just connect with God and allow him to do his work in us. And I want to do a little exercise here. Uh, there are pieces of paper in the pew in front of you. So go ahead and get those out and get the golf pencils out. 
And what we're going to do, uh, I'm going to do this too, is we are going to write uh, that one thing down that is the main distraction. What's the main thing in your life that just has to happen before life can go on? Um, you know, planning a vacation or trying to find a job, uh, you know, buying a house, whatever. Just big decisions, things that are distracting you. Write that thing down and then fold that thing up and put it in your pocket. See, the funny thing is, uh, that distraction will be waiting for you when we're done here. But uh, what we're going to do right now is we're going to take that distraction and symbolically put it in our pocket and put it out of our mind for a second. And we're going to spend some time with God right now, uh, free of distraction. Our worship time is really important. It's, it's so meaningful, and it really does matter uh, because, uh, and I'm totally using a cliche here. I'm sure a lot of you have heard it, but it's a cliche because it's true. Uh, there's a God-shaped hole in our hearts. There's a void there. And we're going to fill it with something. And during the week, it's so easy to fill that void with the distractions that are around us, that are in our face all the time. And today, uh, I want to pray that uh, this week, we're going to take even just a 10-minute window out of uh, of, uh, our day to get rid of all those distractions and spend time with God. Uh, every day this week, but uh, right now, what I'm going to do is we're going to take this opportunity to fill that void uh, with God's presence and in and, and His Spirit and, and allow Him to do His work in us without distraction, without anxiety, just laying it at His feet and allowing Him to, to minister to us. It's just simply bowing down. So do you have your uh, distraction written down? Is it in your pocket? All right, go ahead and stand. And it's going to take me a second to get set up here, but what we're going to do now is we are going to uh, continue our worship time, and we're just going to sing to God. And we're going to do this completely in His presence and allow Him to do His work in us. Father God, um, we ask that today that you help us Get rid of all these distractions around us and just spend some time in your presence and allow you to heal our hearts and to speak to us. God, we surrender those things to you and we ask that your presence would be here as we sing and that we would be able to really feel you uh, and you're ministering to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.